The song said, Blessed Jesus, early let us seek thy favor. And we pray that um, as we uh, seek his wisdom and his counsel, he will uh, illumine our hearts and our minds this morning again as we consider um, who Jesus is as um, Mark is portraying him to us. We will be reading today from uh, Mark chapter 10, uh, just four verses there, uh, verses 13 through 16. Mark 10 at verse 13, And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall never enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. May God grant us wisdom as we meditate on these words again today. I'm sure you're all aware of uh, the saying, you've probably heard it before, uh, don't miss the forest for the trees. Don't be so focused, going back to um, a little bit of what we were reflecting on earlier, um, getting your focus out of whack that you miss one thing in place of another. That's our tendency. We tend to focus in ways where sometimes we see the grand picture of things. We see the, we see the whole forest, but we don't see the trees. Other times, and it goes both ways, sometimes we see the individual trees and yet we've missed the whole forest. We, we miss the, the huge picture that's being laid out there because we're only focused on uh, the small things, the, the single things. And either one of those ways of looking at things would be uh, detrimental to our way of understanding. You can't, you can't see the, the picture of God without seeing the whole picture of God. It, it doesn't make sense until, until the whole picture is complete. It, it leads us on the right path and it's, it's meant to help us grow in our understanding of, of what the Word of God is trying to show us and tell us and where it's leading us. And all along the way, in each of those uh, individual trees, if you will, there's always something that we learn about that, but it always goes through the full picture. Sometimes we get into trouble when we separate things out, so much so that we forget there is a, a, a much clearer picture being painted. Sometimes we're only worried about the, the big picture. Uh, that happens a lot in people's lives where they think, well, I, I know that the big picture is that at the end of my life I'm, I'm going to heaven. And that's really the only thing that uh, some people would focus on. I'm just focused on uh, when, I, when I finalize everything and I, I receive my crown. And they forget that along the way God places trees there for nourishment, for shade when we're weary because it's a weary road that we travel. And that all of those things along the way are meant to be a blessing to us. The disciples uh, have seemed to have forgotten the grand picture. And they are focused on something that is, is uh, well, Jesus is going to confront them on that. And he's going to talk about children. He's, he's done this before. Jesus is now using children again as an example uh, for the people. And this time we're going to look at um, 
uh, how Jesus will use the children in the story to paint that bigger picture and also then to focus on the individuals as well. So first we'll look at uh, children's place in society. Um, on the one hand, in the, in the Jewish community, uh, children are seen as a, as a blessing. Uh, that isn't necessarily true all over the place. Uh, it should be, uh, but it's not. Uh, but the, on, one, on one hand, the, the, the Israelites had always recognized that aspect of, of children being a blessing. Uh, we read that from Psalm 127, uh, 3 through 5 there. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he, when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. There was something always about having uh, lots of children. Uh, we've we've kind of, uh, for the most part, moved away from that. Uh, some of you grew up with very large families. Other of us grew up with one or two or three. Uh, but there's always been um, a richness of blessing uh, with a large family. Uh, certainly it comes with all kinds of struggle. I can look at the faces of different people and I know their stories and how, how uh, large families add a different dynamic. It's a wonderful one and it adds its own challenges as well. But the Israelites would always see children as a blessing, so much so that if you didn't have any, uh, you were looked down upon. And that happened a lot in Scripture. And as we've been going through the Old Testament now in our evening time, uh, we're seeing that more and more over and over where um, this person was unable to conceive. She was barren. She had no children. It, it started with Abraham when God called Abraham. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. But to a wife who had no children, it would bring shame uh, to a woman when she had no children of her own. Uh, children that would carry on uh, the family heritage, to carry on the name, to, to raise up the next generation of, of those that would be a blessing to others. There were very notable people in Scripture that uh, felt shame because they didn't have children or just... Uh, were unable to conceive, not that it was uh, their own doing. Uh, listen to some of these names. Sarah, uh, uh, Abraham's wife. Rebecca, Rachel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all of their wives, barren, unable to conceive. Hannah, with Samuel. Elizabeth, when it gets to be the time for John the Baptist. All of these, and, and others in the, in the Old Testament too, that are listed as uh, not having children. And it, it it brings a, a level of shame when you don't have uh, children. That's the way they would see those things. But there was also, uh, as much as they might be considered a blessing, they were not very highly thought of either. Now, we still have that in our world today. Uh, if you live in... China and maybe some of the other Asian countries as well, uh, boys are more highly sought after than girls because 
they do carry on the name. They, they do have a, a particular standing in society because it's still patriarchal in nature. Um, and so uh, some children are not looked on so favorably. Others are. But they're not, but they're not often thought of very highly. That was true in the, the days of the Israelites and uh, now even in uh, Jesus' time where the disciples kind of fell into that. When, when, when people are bringing children to, to receive a blessing from the rabbi, which was a, a customary thing, uh, they thought that those children would be a bother. They didn't see the value in the children that way, and children, women and children in the society just didn't have a standing. And so their, their place in society was, was mixed, and maybe that's still the case in different places around the world. We, we hopefully tend to, tend to think of our children as blessings. Uh, we know the struggles that come with uh, raising children. But we also know that the, the wonderful blessings that children bring. And so that their place in society then is uh, maybe a little bit different than where they're at in our own society here. But that was the case for the children there in that day. It was a patriarchal society. Uh, Men had all the authority and significance. And until you got to the age of accountability, uh, when you became an adult as a a child there, moving from childhood to uh, adulthood, and for a girl it was the age of 12, and for a boy it was the age of 13. Uh, We think of maybe differently in our society... 16 and 18 years old, somewhere in there, 21 for sure. Um, then we know you're an adult, but in their society, 12 and 13 was that, that time where you became an adult. But until then, you had really no significance of your own as a child. The only, the only significance you had was tied to your father. Whether, whether you were a boy or a girl, it didn't matter. Your significance as a child was only tied to your father, and a good father was a blessing to you. Um, a hard father um, brought hardship. Now, the same would have been true for women as well. They didn't have a particular standing in society uh, beyond their husband. And that's where, again, uh, a wife that has a wonderful husband has a little bit more joy in her life. One that treats her harshly and uh, pays no attention to her, demeans her all the time, and sometimes much worse. Uh, those women were often uh, looked down upon. And so we have uh, a patriarchal society with uh, children that really don't have any significance other than uh, who their father is. And that's important for us to understand. When they, when they come to Jesus, what Jesus does though uh, like he does with, with anybody, Jesus uh, elevates the place of children. When, when Jesus begins to speak about children and everything, he doesn't look at them the way society does. They're elevated by Jesus. As the disciples are trying to uh, cause a ruckus here by having them move off to the side, Jesus interrupts and, and makes sure that these children would have special attention. 
it's interesting to see, and it's good to see, and it's good to be reminded of the fact that uh, Jesus often elevates those that have been put down someplace else. Even, even when he's going around healing people, nobody would touch the leper. You can't do that. But Jesus would. You may be sick, but you're still worthy to be approached, to be interacted with. And here with the children as well, when, when it seems to be that they're uh, a bother to the disciples, and the disciples go so far as rebuking those people that are bringing them, uh, Jesus confronts them and he elevates the children. He said, let them come. Uh, you know, on one hand, when you look at uh, the future, we were, as we were praying, we're praying about the future of our church. Um, we are not the future of our church. Uh, we, any of you that have been here for a long, long time, you were the future of the church. But every generation then becomes uh, the new face of the church. That's why we continue to pray for growth here because uh, the, continue, the church will continue as long as uh, we continue to bring in another generation of people that we can raise in the covenant promises of God and, and allow them to be the witness for him when we have finished our race here on earth. So Jesus said, let them come. The, the, kingdom, the kingdom belongs to them. It's, it's always entrusted to the next generation. The, you have your role right now. And we hope that God finds us faithful. The disciples had a role in their society, in God's kingdom, right then and there. And as the children were being brought, uh, they missed the mark. And Jesus said, let them come. The kingdom belongs to such as these. And that's, that's two ways. One, in that sense that I was just saying about they, are the, they will be the heirs of, of bringing the good news. They will receive that, that task that, that the disciples are fulfilling in their time at this point. The, the children now would be the ones that would pick that up and carry it on in their generation. So they, they have a place in the kingdom just because of um, where they're going to be. Uh, the fact that they are the, the new people in line. But he also lifts them up in a different way. He elevates the, the children um, not just because of uh, them being next in line, but the way they, the characteristics that they bring and how that ties to the kingdom. Um, he lifts them up. He said, he ties children to the entrance to the kingdom. Uh, talk about elevating the position of children. Uh, entrance into God's kingdom is tied to children. Is it because they're pure? No. Is it because they're innocent? No. If you've ever been a child, I think that applies to all of us, if you've ever been a child, you know Children are not pure and innocent. Not even your grandchildren or great-grandchildren. We know that Scripture is true when it says, all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. There's not one righteous, not even one. So it's not because children are they're not lifted up and elevated because they're pure and innocent or without fault. That's not it. There's something about children, though, that 
Jesus wants to elevate, and he's, he sets them as, as that example then. Um, in, in the society there, and as it is with every child uh, throughout time, children are always dependent. Uh, you can't bring a child into the world and leave it. The child is utterly dependent on the parents to provide for the child. And they, uh, much like you would see uh, robins and everything, all the birds that are nesting right now and the birds that will be fed, you will see those birds when they know that uh, they're hungry. They will sit there and squawk and cry out for food and they know that the parents are coming with food. Children are that same way. Children, children depend on the care and the, the provisions of their parents. They just trust them. It's, it's the way they're wired. They, they know that they come into the world without being able to take care of themselves and they completely trust. Now, as we get older, we learn to be distrustful. But as a little child, as you're going along and mom or dad says, ah, let's do this or let's go there, let's go, let's do it. You want to go on a, on a long hike? You go where mom and dad take you. We, we have this trust in, in our parents that they're going to do well by us. They're not pure, they're not innocent, but they're trusting. They are dependent. And because of that, there's a gift uh, that they're going to receive. Uh, for in the setting here with Jesus, the, the gift is going to be the kingdom. If, if, if you want to receive the kingdom, you have to receive it like a little child, which means uh, they're going to be given what we've been given. There's so many different layers to this story here that to try to flush them all out would uh, take too long. But there is that, that idea of uh, the, ki- the kingdom being a gift. And you, you give a child a gift and they're ready for it. Right? You, you, you come with a present in your hands and they, they're ready. They didn't have to. So when it's, when it's birthday time, the kids didn't have to. I hope not. The kids didn't have to work for anything to, to receive the gift that, you have, that you're going to give to them. But when the gift comes, they're excited to have it. They didn't work for it. They didn't earn it. Uh, we do that in other areas of, of their lives to teach them responsibility. But when it comes to giving gifts, it's not based on anything other than the love of the parents. There is this uh, understanding of that uh, gift of the kingdom being given that Jesus uh, illustrated in the story of the prodigal son. And I, I want to focus on uh, that portion of it that has to do with the elder son. Because when the, when the younger son came back, the father just lavished him with all kinds of gifts, that idea of welcoming into the kingdom without without uh, considering anything that had been done, it was the gift of the Father to welcome him in. And that the older, the older son had this mentality of the kingdom that you have to work for it. I've slaved for you all these years. And that was his mindset. 
I have been working my tail off as your son to get what I know is supposed to be mine. And I never got anything for it. And the older son had missed the fact that uh, life in the Father's name is just a gift. You, you are going to receive that just because you're a son. And there was no working for it. And I think the disciples are still wrestling here with where kids fit in. When we looked uh, prior to this, he was talking about not putting stumbling blocks out for those that believe in him, that, that new believer, whether it's a young child or uh, an older person coming to faith, don't put a stumbling block of sin out for them, whether it's um, causing them to sin or, or leaving, uh, leaving a, a legacy of sin behind you that they follow in. Now Jesus is saying, uh, don't even hinder them. These are the ones that will inherit the kingdom. Don't hinder them in any way. Let them come, he says. And Jesus continues to elevate that. In fact, uh, coming into the kingdom, he says, uh, only happens this way. You cannot enter the kingdom unless you do it like a child. And Jesus uses that strong double negative there, the strongest way that you can say something negative There's just absolutely no way you can enter the kingdom unless it's like a child. Not nobody, not know how, as the great Oz would say. That's the double negative. That's the the strength with which, and more holy than that, the way that Jesus is saying that. There's absolutely no way somebody somebody will enter into the kingdom unless it's like the child who trusts and depends and follows. Whether you're, you have a, what you might consider to be a, a pure past or one that is filled with dark shadows. Trust, depend, obey, just like a child. Jesus doesn't pause and get so distracted by what's happening that he Uh, doesn't continue in what he was there to do, what he was being asked to do. Jesus lets the people know that the children are worthy of blessing. Nothing prevented Jesus from giving the children his blessing. In spite of all that was happening, all all the distraction by the disciples themselves, Jesus wants us to know that the children are worthy of blessing. It's a practice that's been going on for a long time in the history of God and His people. Where the Father would bless His children. There are times I wish that I had grown up with that practice. I think it's a, a valuable practice. Uh, it's been going on uh, since the early days of Genesis when, when Abraham Uh, came into covenant relationship with God. God said to him in chapter 12, uh, verse 2, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. That's one of the staple ideas of, of living in covenant relationship with God. As you have been blessed, you are to be a blessing to others as well. 
And then at the end of Genesis, at chapter 49, at the end of uh, Jacob's life, he has all of his grandchildren, uh, children and grandchildren, some are Joseph's, uh, they all come before him, and he blesses all of them. And you look at chapters 48 and 49, you can see how uh, the Father pronounces a blessing, and some of them are kind of uh, short and uh, odd for us to read. Others are are such wonderful things. It's like, man, if, if I could have had that blessing just knowing that somebody spoke those words over me growing up as a child, what a difference that might have made. Uh, at verse 28 of chapter 49, all these are the twelve tribes of Israel, he says at the end of it. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each of them with a blessing suitable for him. That's a wonderful practice that I think should still happen today. You know, I've, I've thought before that uh, we as fathers ought to do that. We've talked about it when we've met as men before. We ought to pronounce blessings on our children. In a world today that is so uh, family broken, uh, and often because fathers and mothers have split and um, typically only a mother is in the picture on a regular basis, to have a father pronounce a blessing on his children would be such a wonderful thing for a child to start life with. To know that there's somebody that is always looking out for you. sending our kids uh, down the kingdom path knowing that they have the eternal promises of God with them. What a wonderful thing that would be. And that's what Jesus is, is trying to do and He makes sure that the disciples don't get in the way of that. So He takes them in His arms and He pronounces a blessing over them as it has been going on for generations. From the, from the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was something that would be a natural thing to do and that's why the children are here in the scene right now because people are bringing their children to the rabbi knowing that the rabbi has uh, this wonderful privilege of, of pronouncing a blessing. It doesn't mean that they're eternally saved or anything like that. Just knowing that uh, somebody has spoken uh, words of blessing in your life. What a difference that would make if you started out that way. So many kids hear just the opposite. And their lives are so difficult for it. Where Father speaks harsh words all the time. But to pronounce a blessing, as Jesus is doing here, gives them a, a sure footing as they start life. We often think of this story as this uh, wonderful uh, touching story. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them. And he takes them in his arms and he blesses them. But I don't want us to miss uh, the other part of this story. The power with which Jesus speaks in this. Not just the power that he pronounces over the, the children there. We don't have those words. But I want us to focus as we finish, on, on the words that are used in this. And they are powerful words. 
when, when the, even the disciples, uh, when the children were being brought, the disciples rebuked the people bringing them. And that word rebuke there is that strong language, the way you would rebuke somebody that is in, in, in terrible error. So Jesus was indignant. As what is rightfully happening before Jesus and in, with the disciples there, and he sees what they're doing, the disciples who are supposed to be growing in their understanding of who Jesus is and their place in the kingdom and how they continue to perpetuate the kingdom in their days, they rebuke people for bringing children to Jesus for a blessing, and he is indignant. Strong. Words. Mark is the only one who specifies how angry Jesus was about that. In this little short story here, there are only two commands. You know, not every, not every story has commands in it. This one, in just four short verses, there are two commands given. Jesus is commanding the disciples... Let them come. Let the children keep coming. They seem to think that this would be a bother to Jesus and their ministry. And they would just get in the way of what Jesus is trying to do for, for all the important people. And Jesus says, let them come. And He commands them to do so. And even more strongly, He says, do not hinder them. Do not hinder any of these little children from coming. We'd already seen from the story prior that anybody that causes one of them to sin, it would be worse for him. It would be like having the millstone hung around his neck and thrown in the sea. With that same kind of passion and power and indignation, Jesus says, do not hinder the children. One, they are the next generation of the people that are going to bring the good news. And Jesus has a blessing waiting for them yet. The road ahead for any believer is uncertain in many ways. Last year is a good enough example. You can... You can sit here and recall back over the course of your life uh, what you thought, how you thought your life might go. And then look back and think, man, I never saw that coming. I, I never thought this or that. And especially when you consider all the hardships, but how you were able to get through those. Life ahead is uncertain in many ways, except for this. There's one thing that is not uncertain Getting into this double negative thing here. There's one thing that's not uncertain for us. is that the, the path that God has put us on is a path that leads to great blessing. And we come into this world understanding that we start that journey with His blessing, under His care, under His provision. As the, as the Father loves His children, He blesses them. And just like the children of uh, Jesus' day and, and prior to that. 
Your significance was tied to your Father. And now as children of the Heavenly Father, we are certain of one thing, regardless of whatever else happens around us. The path He has set us on is a good path. It's clear in the fact that as we stay the course, as we continue to trust and depend and obey, the reward is there. The gift is waiting for us. There's no uncertainty about that. Not one. And so when Jesus sees people trying to prevent the children from receiving that blessing as they start down the pathway, it's no wonder he's indignant about that. And so we hope that um, soon we'll have more children in our, in our sanctuary that will hear the good news and, and make that good news their own and, and recognize that the path they're starting on is a wonderful path. Dangers on every side, but in the path, it's one that takes you and I safely through. And Jesus blesses the children. What a day that had to have been for those children to recognize. I don't think they maybe knew exactly who Jesus was at that point. But to have the Lord of all creation take you in His arms and bless you and use you as an example set for those that thought they knew it all and sends them on their way with a blessing. This is the pathway that Jesus has marked out for us and we are to follow in his footsteps. Let the little children come. Let them fill the pews. Let them fill the sanctuary here and don't hinder them. Don't put anything out there that would stop children from coming in and finding out the blessing that is given to them as they gather as God's children. It's our task that we have set before us today. Blessed to be a blessing. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we use that phrase so often. Uh, maybe often not even recognizing what we utter. Our Heavenly Father, no greater God, no greater Father, no greater Savior than the one that puts His name on us, the one who claims us as His children, the inheritance of all the goodness that You have for us. So thank You, Father, for uh, stories that include children. Stories that let us know how we ought to be before You and how we ought to act around the children that You place in front of us. So strengthen us, Father, with these words and may it transform us. May these words not return empty to You, but may they have the full effect that they were given to do that they may transform us and make us more today like our Savior, Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.